This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey there, have you ever dreamed about owning your own farmland? If you're like me, you probably have, and it might become a lot more attainable through platforms like we're featuring on this episode here today. Welcome. This is the Future of Agriculture podcast. If this is your first episode, my name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an ag recruiter, so if you know anybody looking to hire or be hired in ag tech or agribusiness, feel free to send me an email. I'm tim at aggrad.com. But before we dive in here today, I do want to read an iTunes review. Thank you so much to all of you who have gone to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us both a rating and a review. I love this one. This one's from Liam. It says, the best way to pass the time. Oddly enough, I actually work on a golf course. I only have to maintain 200 acres of turf. Every week I listen to Tim and whoever is on and find myself learning not just about new technology, but also about the agriculture industry overall. I have been recommending this podcast to people not in the industry to listen listen to this because the way the information is provided, it's just more entertaining to listen to than some PowerPoint warrior at college. Liam, I love that review. Thank you so much. And if you're listening and haven't yet left us a rating and review, we'd sure love for you to do so on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. But this show is all about farmland investing. And back in 2012, you may remember the Jobs Act of 2012, which enabled equity crowdfunding to be a possibility. We've had uh, another crowdfunding platform on the show in Harvest Returns. Uh, boy, it's been a while now, maybe a year or two. You can go back and check that episode out if you want to hear more about how this all works. But really, really fascinating concept on the show here today. We have Carter Malloy. He's the founder and CEO of Acre Trader. As I said, Acre Trader is an online platform that helps farm sellers and investors find each other. And they do a whole lot more than just connect the two. They do all the due diligence on the deal and present the opportunities to accredited investors that, that want to invest. And he threw out an interesting stat to me, which is because of this Jobs Act that enabled this, this equity crowdfunding there's actually been in the last 12 months, just in real estate, over a billion dollars raised on these crowdfunding platforms, which means a billion dollars worth of real estate have been sort of purchased through these methods. And he's applying it, of course, to farmland. He is a third generation farmer from Arkansas, has a bit of an eclectic background from getting a degree in physics to playing in a band to having his own company that actually was in the automotive industry and then uh, having a successful career in the investment industry before deciding to return to Arkansas to start his startup called Acre Trader. You're going to hear all about kind of how it works, why it works. And I really got into the weeds a little bit about, you know, what the investor looks like, what the seller looks like, and, and sort of the dynamics of how this goes. I think you're really going to enjoy it. You might learn something about real estate and learn something about growing an ag tech, ag tech company at the same time. Here's my conversation with Carter Malloy. He's going to start off by talking about why he left a successful career in the investment industry to start Acre Trader. Big picture, I was uh, spending my time all day, every day, uh, super long hours looking for good long-term investments. And living in San Francisco at the time, but my dad and I in Arkansas were, had been investing in farmland and I had some really good returns and realized at some point that it wasn't just because I was this great investor, but because farmland itself was a great asset class. 
I had a, a neighbor asking me, he knew I was from Arkansas and you know, died in the wool redneck and said, hey, I, how do I invest in farmland? I'd like to get started too. And I started looking around and, and realized that there's there's no mechanism for, for most people to, to get good access to, to this asset class. Uh, and you know, looking overall at the asset class, there's about $30 billion in, in growing rapidly of, of private equity money investing in farmland. As, as you know, there's you know some great family offices like uh, and institutions like that of Bill Gates and the, the Mormon Church that have identified and are actively investing in this trend. But d- despite there being trillions of dollars of farmland just, just in the U.S. alone, there's not really a great uh, or attractive way for, for most people to invest in it. So as, as we zoomed out, sort of looked at the overall asset class and realized, all right, there's, there's this asset that's been turning, returning 12% historically if you look at the, the cash yield plus the appreciation and value. But it's been doing that with, with far lower volatility or, or price movement than other high returning assets. We've got a lot of this data on our on our website in the four investors section of, of AcreTrader. But it, it's really surprising that it's, it's been performing in such a stable manner to investors over the long term. And there's a, there's an absolute ton of it out there, but no one was really bringing it to market for, for regular investors. So, so I, I teamed up with some lawyers and farm managers and technologists and, and, and my dad, most importantly, probably. And then we built a business plan that, that turned into AcreTrader. And now uh, fast forward to today and the, the platform is live, doing very well, uh, working on millions of dollars of deals. And, and we've got a, a portal online where you can go on and sign up and uh, buy farmland in, in just minutes. And so we're, we're actively working harder and harder and growing our team every day. We just, just escrowed a deal. It took us maybe three weeks or a little more to to fully fund a farm offering on our site. So it's starting to happen faster and faster. And that's, that's uh, really exciting for us as a business. Yeah. So take us through a deal. You can use that one or another one. At what point do you bring it to the public? So you find, obviously you probably spend a lot of energy in finding the right deals, you know, the right deals for, for farmland to include on the website. Let's say you find the right one that you like. What happens there? Who owns it at that point? And at what point does it change ownership hands? Mm-hmm. Great, great question. So, yeah, you, you hit something important early in that question too, which is big picture. We, we look at a lot of farmland. We've got a couple of guys on staff and that's what they do full-time, as well as a couple of part-time guys and girls augmenting that. But we, we spend every day, all day speaking to farmers and, and looking at farmland. Uh, and most of it, we're not going to transact on the website. It's just the law of, of uh, or, you know, just the fact that we've got a lot of inventory to look at and very specific investment profiles for, for the website. That being said, we, we love working with farmers. We can help them find other appropriate buyers. Uh, we can help them work with other brokers. So, so we definitely engage with and, and are happy to help the farmers. We've got tons of free materials for them, whether that's the the checklists you need for documents to get together to, to sell your farm or guides on valuing your farm or selling your farm. You know, we're, we're happy to help as much as we can. And that, that's sort of the, the beginning of it. I, I think that helps us to be able to look at a lot of farms if we just say, hey, here's, here are all these things for free. How can we help you? Ultimately, if, if the farm does not go to another broker or they decide to, you know, they do decide to sell it through us and we want to work through the platform, then it, it more or less, it goes through a pretty simple what looks like a mini IPO, an initial public offering for, for a public company for, for stocks, where we'll take the farm, it goes in a unique LLC, we list uh, units, or, or you can refer to them as shares, but uh, units of that, membership units of that LLC, we list them for sale on the site. So if a farm has, you know, if it's 100 acres, then it would have a, a thousand units, and we would put those on the site and, and sell those. And we have investors, you know, both professional and non-professional and 
institutional and non come on the site and purchase some of those shares. And uh, ultimately, as soon as we've escrowed it fully, you know, in this last case, it was took about three weeks. And uh, now we're moving quickly to closing with a title shop. And as you, as you can imagine, as a, as a cash buyer, that's that's an advantage to a farm seller that we can uh, move move relatively quickly and, and close relatively quickly with cash. So. And is that the main motivation for a seller is, is the quick closing with cash or, uh, or are there other reasons that a seller of farmland might want to use your platform? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think certainly, um, you know, being able to move quickly helps, but, but liquidity and transparency really help. Again, the, that we provide everything up front, give them, uh, for a lot of people, this is a once in a lifetime transaction. And so may not even fully understand the, the valuation of that land. And we, we provide all the local local data, top down, bottom up type of type of information. So so yeah, I think those are certainly reasons that, that farmers and farm owners want to work with us. But beyond that, we provide them quick access, you know, overall quick access to capital for improvements. They're the, the ongoing farmer, we, the ability to expand their operations and again that, that independent valuation and independent information respectful technology uh, expertise. One of the one of our guys on staff previously managed a few hundred million dollars of farmland. And so he's used every software tool out there and is and is happy to share that. We don't we don't force that on the farmers that we work with, but you know, we do want to see them succeed. And so uh, you know all that uh, ability and wanting to work hand in hand, the the national presence and national working with national brokerages certainly helps as well. I think traditionally when you go to sell a farm, you know, there there may be a, a person that grandfather knew or grandmother knew at the local coffee shop and they may be a great broker, but but for that particular farm it may only end up getting shown if it's not in their area of expertise. It may you know, they may only a few neighbors may see it or, or one or two funds. And that's doesn't seem like the, the most optimal way to, to get a, a great valuation for your land. And so we certainly want to help them through a, a much more nationwide independent approach, uh, you know, go out and, and seek fair value for their land. And so you, you, let's say, you know, your, your team sifts through, sifts through 500 deals and you find one that you say, yes, we need to list this on the platform. Is the next step then to agree on a valuation with the current owner? That's correct. Okay. And usually that'll be, we have a, a formalized three-step due diligence process internally and that price discovery is, is pretty early on in the process. And, you know, certainly many times, maybe even most times, we, we're not going to pay what the neighboring farmer will pay that, you know, if, if he's willing to pay above market. That, that's great for the landowner. And again, we are happy to help them out. But, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely are early on want to want to get to understand valuation ranges and expectations because we, we are here at the end of the day to help our investors to, to help the, the website users make money. Right. So we, we certainly don't want to, first and foremost, we, we don't want to at all step them into bad deals or, or expensive deals. Okay. And then if they agree to the valuation, at that point, you create the LLC and sort of issue shares, if you want to call them that, so that you could start to solicit investment. And here's where I'm a little confused, like, because the old owner still owns it. So how do you kind of create an LLC or do you create one for that old owner and then issue the shares? Or, you know, I, I'm just curious about how that sort of changing hands happens. Yeah, it's a, it's a great great question. We we established just a standard real estate sales contract. So just as if you were going to sell your house and it would take you 30 or 60 or 90 days to close, it's a, the same idea. You know, the, the buyer of your house or the buyer of your farm would almost always have a financing contingency on there, right? If you're selling your house, they need to go to the bank and get the get right. the mortgage first. Mm-hmm. And so that's the same idea here. We, we've got to go to the to the website users and, and raise the funds. Though, uh, you know, again, I think uh, our, our hope and intention is to 
do that cook in the bank. <laughs> sure. No, that makes sense. And, and then, so it's contingent on you getting the investment and then you'll list it on your site and, and go out and get that investment. You got it. Cool. Ah, well, very, very interesting. And then to continue on sort of linearly here, you know, if everything goes right, you get these investors. And of course, you're sharing data uh, with, with the potential investors about, you know, my, why they w- might want to consider it. What data points uh, are you kind of promoting for the investor to consider in their own individual due diligence? Mm-hmm. So transparency is the name of the game here, right? We, we want to be as open and forward as, as possible. Uh, it, it is always a challenge with farmland because it, the the asset class there there are a lot of there, there are a lot of idiosyncrasies, a lot of you know even local and hyper local positives and negatives about a particular farm, and so it's difficult not to overwhelm people with information and and you know local soil maps and explaining why this this type of soil is better than the next. But but at the end of the day, that, that's our job is, is to provide the information and to boil it down and to you know, provided a simple digestible format. So you, you can see on the offerings on our on our site that, you know, we, we put documents and surveys and soil maps up there. We put interactive Google maps up. We put the financial profiles of the farm and, you know, what the overall economics of, of the transaction do and should look like. So we, and, and certainly any questions that don't get answered from, from the website, if, if we can find them, we will, we will absolutely find them. It's, it's, a, it's a, a big goal of ours. We, we know that to, to build a, a marketplace for, to, to improve uh, transaction volume and transparency and liquidity in the, in the farmland capital and uh, farm owner ecosystem, we've got to be wide open with people. And, uh, and that's, that's what we do externally. It's what we do internally uh, among our staff here as well. We, we want to be as forward and open as possible. And is, is this sort of getting to the, the heart of what barriers you're solving for the industry? I know we, you said kind of earlier, like, hey, you're helping to eliminate the barriers for investors to own farmland or, you know, I'm paraphrasing there. But it, it, are these the barriers, sort of the access to this data and seeing the deal flow? I, I think it, for, for the investors, yeah, that's, that's, um, th- that's always a big barrier. I mean, even for professional funds, that's their big barrier is, is access to deal flow. And inversely, uh, for the farm owners and the farm sellers, it's, it's access to market. You know, again, their their local broker, he may be a home run broker and, and, and awesome, but he may not have relationships with a few firms in New York that can get in the best valuation. So you know, I, I think maybe a, an interesting statistic, and this is sort of best guess calculation, but, but you know, $8 trillion of gold in the world, and about 2% of that gold trades hands every single day. So there's, there's this great trend. There's really great mechanisms to understand exactly what your gold is worth per ounce or tenth of an ounce basis. In the world of farmland, you know, there's nine trillion of it globally, give or take. There's three trillion of it in the US. 0.005%, I think, and, and that's on a on a you know call it a, a favorable calculation, you know, trades per day. A, a teeny, teeny fraction of, of farmland is is really truly liquid out there. And and so as a result for for both the buyers and the sellers, it's it's Difficult to discover each other. It's difficult to discover valuation, and, and it's you know that's that's our goal is to is to uh, disrupt and free up this ecosystem so that land can transact more easily. And and we in, inside of that goal, I think it's important that we keep our platform low fee. If we want to be high volume, we've got to be low fee, and that we are willing to and we do work you know alongside with and directly with farmland managers, brokers, funds, etc. 
Okay. And, and if it, you know, if the, the property is successfully acquired and successfully funded and, and so the, the new, the newly created LLC uh, will take over, does Acre Trader own part of that or does Acre Trader just service the investment for other investors? Just services the, the investment as a platform. We, we don't take ownership. We also importantly, you know, as a, as a company, as Acre Trader Inc., we don't take any of the upside, right? So I know a lot of other investment vehicles and funds will, uh, you know, charge like a one or two percent management fee annually, and then they'll charge twenty percent of any gains, you know, with or without a hurdle. For, for us, we we don't charge that. We call it a carry or promoted interest. Uh, we we don't charge that to to users, and and we also uh, charge a zero point seven five percent annual management fee. So so again, I think the idea is low fee, high volume, uh, and and everyone everyone should should win. In terms of what the, you know, importantly, the investor has to do when they invest in a deal, you know, our, our goal is to make that nothing, right? To, to make it a truly passive investment. So if I were to go out and, and you know, have buy farmland personally, then, you know, you, you've got all kinds of decisions to make and, and management and administration and taxes and insurance to pay. And you know, there's a lot of ins and outs that can require your attention. With, with our, with each LLC, we, our management company works on behalf of our investors to attempt to maximize return to them and minimize work. So from processing and payments to administration and management, we handle all that on, on behalf of the investors and, and look to just simply hand them distributions that, that come from the, the farmer paying rent. And I want to circle back real quickly again, I'm being long-winded, my apologies, but uh, when, you, when you mentioned the platform investing in the deals, also while the platform does not invest in the deals, I personally thus far have and, and would like to continue that as, as, as long as possible and in, in investing in, in each of the deals that come on our site because I'm, I'm personally excited about the asset class of farmland and, uh, and the, the offerings we're working on. Cool. Yeah. Put, putting your money where your mouth is. You got it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and you mentioned kind of farmer paying rent is when you, when you get dividends. So is all this ground cash rented out? That's that's it. It's it, sometimes there can be a, a flex lease in place, but but we typically we, we look to do cash rent with the farmers, and just reduce the the amount of you know attempt to reduce the amount of volatility and potential issues with with uh, crop share. So. Okay, so I imagine most of it then is row crop. I, I would imagine these perennial crops would be difficult to sort of just cash rent. They are, uh, and, and that moves us into a different segment of the conversation, which is you know See perennial how good crops. I am at segways. Segway guy. <laughs> yeah, man. No, they're uh, you know they have a different financial profile. They they tend to be higher risk, higher reward, if you will. And you know we're we're risk averse as a, as a culture, but you know certainly there are some some really interesting things going on in perennial crops. And so we're you know actually in, in uh, later today I have a call with an almond farmer in California, and the the structure of those deals looks a little different than our standard row crop deals where. There's a what you call a sponsor involved, you know, a, a local person who manages the farm and and gets some, you know, gets some economic incentive for doing so. And you know, the investors have you end up taking on some operational risk by by not doing cash rent, but you also are able to, you know, potentially capture some some real upside in the cash yields on on that farm. Hmm. So who would be you know, if somebody's listening and they go, well, you know, I kind of own some land. I wonder if I would be kind of their target market for someone who who should list a property or sell property to you to be listed on AcreTrader. You know, who, how would you describe kind of the ideal seller on AcreTrader? 
It's a it's a great question, and I'm I'm not sure I'll ever know the the perfect answer to it. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to be coy. What we found is sale leasebacks can be really great, right? We we love when a farmer comes to us and he owns the land and says, "Hey, I want to I need to lighten up for one reason or the other. I need to sell a little bit of land, but I really love this piece of land and I want to continue renting it." So that's a that's a great uh, transaction to be a part of. Uh, sometimes there's uh, an existing absentee owner that wants to sell it and uh, or sell part of it and you know have us help manage it. We we love that situation. Sometimes there's uh, a scenario uh, we've been working on this morning actually, uh, our farm team has. We call it cleaning up the cousins, uh, where there's some inherited land and you know there's five owners and one's a farmer and three are agnostic and one really wants to sell it. Uh, and you know, as, as you, you probably well know, some of those situations can turn ugly and, and not fun for for the family that otherwise should be loving each other and enjoying what was handed down to them. Uh, we can help in those situations, you know, situationally appropriate places. You know, we can help to have one or two of those owners liquidate and and let the remaining ones own, own within sorry remain within the ownership structure. So hmm. There's a there, there's a lot of ways we can work with people that want to sell farmland. And, and that for us is, is really exciting to be, be able to bring new solutions to market. Yeah, I didn't even think about that situation. And so they would then retain however many shares in the property mm-hmm. and, and the others could, could liquidate. You got it. And, and I, I mentioned the sale lease back a moment ago too. I think that you know, the, the majority, if not overwhelming majority of, of farmland transactions go to the neighboring farmer. That neighboring farmer, you know what he's going to do in year number one is get rid of the existing farmer and expand his operations onto that farm. And in that case, you know, if the farmer still wants to stay on the land, then, then we can be really helpful with a, a sale leaseback transaction. Very, very interesting. And then uh, how about on the, on the investor side? Do, do, do these investors have to be accredited? They do. Uh, so right now, we, we work within a set of rules and regulations that deem us to only allow accredited investors. So uh, accredited means that you make two or $300,000 a year or have a, a million dollar uh, minimum net worth. Uh, that's, that's obviously not everyone and that's not uh, exciting, as exciting as it could be for us. And so we, we do hope and tend to have offerings for non-accredited investors in the future so that we can, we can help those people too, to, to invest in farmland. As you can imagine, we have a, a lot of a demand on the website and people coming on going, Hey, what's up? Why haven't you opened up to us yet? And, you know, we, we are happy you, creating an account is free. We can, you know, we distribute educational materials to, to people that come on and sign up. So we still encourage non-accredited investors to come on and, you know, worst case, they get a little education about a, a new asset class. And uh, ho- hopefully we're able to, to help them out with that in the future. Great. And I imagine that if someone is, accred- is accredited and they go on and they invest in some farmland, so what they're getting then is a percentage of an LLC or are they getting, hey, you own a hundred acres of farmland in, in Kankakee, Illinois, or, or you know, how does that work exactly? Mm-hmm. Good question. They, they own a percent of the LLC. So, and then the LLC has legal title to the land. So the, the LLCs, you know, Acre Trader 116, Acre Trader 117, et cetera. Each LLC we set up owns a specific parcel of property, and the investors own specific percentages of that LLC. So that you know that that LLC exists, and we actually have things written written in the the document that you know if Acre Trader got run over by a bus tomorrow, that LLC would persist and it would still be uh, seen after and would still go down the same path it was headed down anyway. So you know there there are and you can see the 
the investment documentation in, inside of each deal when you go to invest in it. But with those LLC operating agreements and subscription agreements are standardized, and you know we we've done a, a lot of work to make sure those are those are good documents for for all parties involved. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and I mean, you, you, you grew up in a farm family. So you, you and your dad, you're, you're farmers yourselves. You've probably been on the other side of the equation of a land landlord. And, and I've heard, you know, I'm not a full-time farmer, but I have heard it where farmers, boy, like some landlords, they can really be difficult to work with. And then just the thought of like multiplying that by having a hundred landlords instead might be something that they find a little bit, une- they're, they're uneasy <laughs> with. Do you get that pushback at all? We do, but we have a great answer, which is you're not dealing with 100, you're dealing with acre trader management. Hmm. So they, they, deal, they deal with us. You know, so it's sort of one throat to choke. And I think more importantly is we'd, we'd like to think we're a professional organization, right? We have very good lease structures uh, and, and good incentives for the farmers. We have you know, o- oversight programs. We're, we're there to help them you know, when they need our help. We have quick access to capital, right? If a if a well goes bad and you have an absentee landowner and that absentee landowner happens to be in Mexico for a month and it happens in the middle of the season, you're in a really bad place. Uh, and, and with us, we're here every day, all day. This is all we do. And, you know, that, that access to capital uh, should, should be immediate to, to go out and help them out. Yeah. What about, what about one of your investors that's saying, hey, I've been hearing all this stuff about soil health. What's my farmer doing to build soil health or sustainability? You know, what, what sort of say does that investor have in the farming practices and the long-term sustainability of the asset? Uh, sure. So the, the investor and, and we, for that matter, we don't want to jam our own priorities down on the farmer because more often than not, well, almost always, that farmer knows his hyperlocal region and he knows the dirt on that farm better than we ever will. That being said, it, but the other side of that is we're also highly, highly favorable to farmers that work towards soil sustainability and regenerative practices and improving the value of the land. So much so that if that's not on the table, we're, we're not really excited about working on that kind of farm. So, and, and, and inversely, you know, from a management standpoint, if the farmer is not adhering to it, at least soil sustainability best practices, aka they're not out there, if they're out there mining nutrients or, or not maintaining the farm in a proper manner, then we absolutely will step in and, and typically look for a new tenant. Once somebody breaks the rules with you once, they're, they're likely to do it again. So. But to reiterate, we absolutely want to continue to work towards a future of, of being able to produce food. And that, you know, I, I think inherently means at this day and age that you've, you've got to have an eye on soil sustainability and, and regenerative practices. And as you're making this investment, do you incorporate any sort of, of leverage, any, any loans against the property, or is it 100% the property is worth a million dollars, so we're raising a million dollars? So far, we have only done a million and a million, just you know, for, for illustrative purposes. We, we focus purely on equity. In the future, we may do some, we may put some leverage. We will certainly highlight that uh, pretty, pretty loudly so that uh, investors understand there's leverage involved in the deal. You know, that, that in the world of, 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 you know, for example, growing tree nuts, leverage tends to make a lot more sense than it does on a, on a row crop farm and, and Minnesota or Illinois or Mississippi. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it just depends. I, I'd say as a whole, you know, and as, as a group, we're financially conservative by, by nature. So we're, we don't love debt. Uh, you know, debt's a, both a great amplifier of insurance and a great amplifier of, of downside. You know, I think uh, Warren Buffett would put it way more aggressively negatively than, than that. 
but uh, we're we're certainly cautious with it. Sure. And and the historic returns on, on that farmland. I know you said it's it's been really strong historically. You know, over the over the long term, how much of that is appreciation versus just the kind of the simple ROI of of how much you're going to get cash rent year on you know the value of the asset. Mm-hmm. So it's is roughly evenly split. Uh, it has been historically. I'd say today the expectation leans a little harder just slightly harder on appreciation than, than rent. And, and again, caveat, I'm, I'm speaking to row crops when I say that. Probably the inverse on going to California, you know, you're looking more for high cash flow, uh, may not get the, as strong of appreciation. But yeah, that over the last almost 30 years, uh, there's, a, there's an index to track that NC Reef, R-E-I-F. And, and that index has shown 11.5 or 12% average annual returns over that time period. And our best best estimate using some additional data sets from the USDA is that's roughly half split between appreciation and, and income. And again, I mentioned today incomes are a little depressed. As, as you well know, we're in the middle of trade wars and commodity, depressed commodity prices for several years now. And so the, the income side, the, the, the cash yield tends to be a little bit lower today than than it has been historically. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I know one of the barrier has always been, and, and this one it continues to be a challenge is, you know, in that bank account, the, the, the math doesn't look very pretty, but if you needed that money tomorrow, you just go pull it out. You know, with something like mm-hmm. farmland, you're kind of locked in. How, how do you handle an exit? How does that part work? Yeah, great. Good question. So we typically put a timeline on the LLC and we, we tell the investors to plan on holding it for that period, right? We And there, there's some caveats, but it's a long-term investment. You want to make long-term investments. And you know, the minute you start trying to whip in and whip out of any market, whether that be the stock market or the bond market, you know, or, or CDs for that matter, you can, uh, you can get yourself into trouble. So we, we tell people to expect to hold it for the life of the LLC. That, that's usually three to five, sometimes 10 years. However, there, there's, a, there's a one-year hard lockup on them investing in those shares uh, or those membership units of, of the LLC. After that one year, if they want to sell it to their brother or their cousin or friend, they can. And we are working on a, a secondary marketplace that would allow them to sell that uh, through us to someone they, they don't know. There are uh, some, some, there's a lot of you know, called material lifting we have to do internally to get to that point. But, but that's certainly a, a, on our roadmap and a, and a material goal of ours is to offer people the, that liquidity to, to step out should they need the capital. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, last question here. You know, j- just fr- from sort of a high level, as I was thinking about Acre Trader, and I, I think it's you know obviously a great idea, and you are already off to the races and in, in seeing some some success. And it has me wondering if we've got this farmland that has really good historical returns, and more people haven't been able to capture those returns because of barriers to access. As we reduce barriers to access, won't that start to eat away those returns? It's a $3 trillion asset class. So I think it would be a long, long time before that happened. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know the, the private equity in this asset class is $3 trillion. It's about $30 billion of private equity money. That sounds really big, $30 billion. But in the context of $3 trillion, you're, you're, you're looking at 1% of this. It tends to be the you know, five, 10,000 acre types of farms they're, they're bidding on. But 1%, give or take, has these professional owners in it. Now, they're growing quickly because there's a, a, a lot of interest in, in investing in farmland among institutional investors. And you know, like we mentioned, some of the, the smart family offices that have you know, been investing in this trend for a while. But again, we are, you know, as, as acre trader, you know, if we did $10 billion of transactions, we would still be very small relative to the, the total size of the industry. 
Cool. Well, Carter Malloy, founder and CEO of AcreTrader. Check him out at acretrader.com. Thanks for being on the show, Carter. Thanks so much. Thanks again so much to Carter for being on the show. A couple of follow-up questions that didn't make the final edit of this episode, but in case you're curious, right now they're only looking at deals in the U.S., but they're leaving the door open for future expansion to other countries. And then also thus far, they've been bootstrapped between him and, and his father, and they're going to be looking for investment, uh, if, if not by now, when you're listening to this in the very near future. So interesting there. Check it out at acretrader.com. Really appreciate your continued interest in this podcast. I, I've, I've really enjoyed hearing from many of you either on Twitter or on LinkedIn or via email or in those iTunes reviews. Keep it up. I always enjoy hearing from you and would love your feedback on the show. We'll be back next week with another exciting Ag Innovator. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week. Music.